and you are live. Oh, are we live now? We are live. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the True Christian Podcast. It's myself and JD, as always. Um, I know people are coming in right now, so we're looking forward to seeing who joins us tonight. I don't know about you guys, but I'm super excited because what we ended on last week and what we get to come back to this week. What's up, though, JD? What's up, brother? What's happening, brother Bear? Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I mean, we're getting into chapter four, which is testing the spirits. Again, uh, I'm glad we did, John. I'm glad we did first, John, because, you know, like you said, at the beginning of last week's podcast, and for those of you who didn't watch it, go back and watch it. But uh, this answers all the questions. This answers all those day-to-day questions. If you've got Q&A, go to first John, man. That's That's pretty much answered up in first John. It's the fact of the Bible, the frequently asked questions of the Bible. There you go, yeah. right there. One way. As always, One guys, way. for y'all joining in on uh, TikTok, uh, welcome to the True Christian Podcast. Uh, I'm joined by JD, my co-host from South Africa, and we are live on YouTube. If you want to join in with us and be able to actually participate in the comment section, see what's being put on screen, and just be involved in the actual uh, discussion, you got to come over to YouTube. By all means, you can stay on TikTok if that's what you uh, you know what you please, but. Uh, I would recommend you come over here. You get the CJD instead of hearing the voice. And also, we got a bunch of people in the comment section over here having a conversation, and you can be more than welcome to join. Uh, also, Amen. like, subscribe, share, all that cool stuff that I always forget to mention. But, guys, today we are finishing First John. So do we want to summarize a little bit, uh, JD? What what, what is First John? Uh, we did chapters one through three, in, including three. So what do we got in those chapters right there? I mean, we we we've got we've got nothing but meat. Well, first of all, you know, chapter one, we go we we see about walking in the light. You know, exhortations of brotherly love, uh, love loving not the world but hating the world. And again, that that's that's something that people misconstrue all the time. You know, what does it mean to love love God and hate the world? And uh, we we went through that as well as you know the promise of eternal life in chapter two. And evidence of a true believer in chapter three. So that those are basically what you know the first three chapters break down for us. And I mean, we see that the believer walks in love. The believer mm. walks in love, and that's what it comes down to again and again and again. Walking in love, and you know, I've been I've been distant from TikTok for a few for a few weeks. I haven't gone live there much, um, and you know. So many video replies I still got to get to, but ultimately we see that that's that's what's lacking in in the TikTok universe is is walking in love towards you know fellow Christians. I think there's there's more there's more vain babbling going on between fellow believers than there is actually exhortation and let us reason together, as as the prophet Isaiah would say, let us reason together. There's no reasoning going on just a lot of i'm right and you're wrong so again guys first john uh, it's 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 given for our exhortation it's given to us all scripture as we see in you know second timothy 3 16 all scripture is theonustos breathed out by god and we need to we need to consider everything before we answer and this is the question really like before you answer someone is this from god or is this from the flesh and 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 that's that's ultimately where spiritual growth comes. Like sometimes no answer is an answer, and uh, that's that's something we all got to we all got to learn and all got to grow in 
Um, but praise Jesus, we're back again and uh, looking forward to going through chapter four and five with you guys. And uh, again, at the end, because I think we'll get through this within the first hour, if you guys have got any specific questions on First John. On First John. Let's keep the on focus first, tonight, guys. Yeah. <laughs> on First John, then please uh, let's 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 stay focused on the topic. But get your questions ready, guys. If from last week and this week, any questions on this epistle from the Apostle John, then uh, get them ready. Get them ready, and let's get it. Let's get let's get into it, man. Amen. Amen. Most most definitely. And then there's just a couple things I want you guys to remember specifically about uh first John chapter one through three. Um, as we dive into chapters four and five. Uh JD kind of pointed out one of them. It's about the love of God that abides in us. The love of God is a huge thing that John is going to touch on, especially in these final couple chapters. But um, the love of God that abides in us, not just the love of God that is on us in a sense of God loves us. But John speaks of it as if God's love resides in you and therefore it will come out of you uh, in a way that you love people that way. Um, also, John makes it clear, uh, you know, the difference between a, a child of God and a child of Satan. And, and one of them lives in the darkness and loves loves the darkness, uh, hates his brothers, etc. And then there was also the fact that John talks about following the commandments of Jesus. Uh, but he defines those commandments at the end of chapter three. In fact, I'll read that part just so that way you guys uh, can get a grasp of what he says right before we end chapter three. Right before he ends yeah. chapter three, he says, um, where are we at? And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps Amen. his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that we abide, uh, that he abides in us. By the spirit whom he has given us. All right. So that's how John finishes it. Letting you know this is how we know. And, and one other thing that I'm kind of just remembering is uh, JD kind of pointed this out with the love thing. But John will question your love. But he doesn't do so in a way throughout this book of like, are you doing this? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Rather, he makes, makes you ask the questions of yourself. How does yeah. God, God's love abide in you if this is you? If I just described you, how does God's love abide in you? Um, and we and see then, that multiple times in the first three chapters. I think we might see it once or twice uh, in the final two chapters. So uh, as always, guys, we're going to start this with a prayer. Uh, I've prayed the last couple of times, so I'll let JD start this one off with a prayer. And then we'll dive into the scriptures. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for giving us another opportunity, another day. Thank you, Lord, for each and every single one of the listeners and that, that Mark and I will be filled and speak nothing but the truth. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we have it to guide us every single day and that it is alive and that it cuts through bone and marrow. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that each and every single brother and sister that come to the live, even the mockers and the scoffers, that, that your word will land on fruitful soil and that we will see people saved. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, let's pull the Bible up and let's go ahead and dive into chapter three. As last time we had, uh, uh, oops, last time we we had it up, um, I went ahead and I put the ESV and the KJV on screen. I went ahead and did that again. Uh, for people that are new here, in case the screen looks, looks a little confusing, to the left side we have the uh, Bible word study in case we need it with the Greek dictionary at the bottom because we are in the New Testament. So the Greek dictionary is what we're using if we need to. Um, 
ESV is on your left. KJV is on your right. So if I'm reading, you're going to hear it from the ESV. You could follow along on the left side of the screen. And when JD reads, he reads from the KJV. We also like to have both these up on screen just so that you can see uh, a little bit of the difference between these two popular translations uh, that I would be willing to bet uh, most people when it comes to people that follow me and 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 enjoy uh, you know listening to us preach. I feel like these two are the most popular translations amongst those groups. So yeah. Chapter four, verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, but by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now I want to stop there real quick because some people might misconstrue this as as long as they confess that they believe in Jesus, right? Notice how Paul, yeah. I mean, uh, John here emphasizes has come in the flesh, right? So Jesus coming in the flesh means that he was somewhere before the flesh, right? He was God eternal who came into the flesh. I read this and I clearly see that John makes a designation that this isn't just anybody that confesses that Jesus is Lord, right? He doesn't say that, right? Because he, he recently was just talking about antichrists. Because the Antichrist might even say Jesus is Lord in a way. But he says that, confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Has come in the flesh. Do the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Not the way we do. Do Mormons believe it? Not the way we do. Right? So I believe that this is a distinction specifically for Jesus Christ being eternal, coming into the flesh, and not a created being just as much as the other things that we obviously see throughout scripture about it. And, and, and John goes on saying, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Yeah. Amen. I mean, if you go to verse one and you just open up belief on, on the, on the Greek definition there, because I, 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 it'll just put emphasis on, on, on what you're saying already. Um, you know, if we look at if we look at the the definition of believe in and what John is talking about, there we go. Do not believe. So that word belief is pistolte. Pistolte. That's an interesting one. Check at that. I mean, it's 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 it just gives you so much so much more meat there. I mean, oh, sorry, my my dictionary wasn't linked to the. This one, there we go. Believe, I believe with various constri- constructions. Uh, let's see, we make this a little bit bigger. I believe a person or a statement made by a person to be true. I place repose my trust or either on, on either God or the Messiah. I rely on them, I commit my life to them, I believe in them, I believe on, I cast myself upon them as stable and trustworthy with energy of faith. Uh, for an example, is sometimes. In the sphere of, in trust, faith, belief, trust, generally of the leaning of the entire human personality upon God or the Messiah. And oh, sorry, that's a different word. That's faith in the in the Greek. Yeah, but I mean, so, just, yeah. just 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 the just the mark the of, of a believer, man. Just the mark of a believer. You know, you, you see just the first few lines to put your trust on, put your trust in. You know, this is this is the belief John is talking about in the context of First John. This is this is that saving belief. Again, we it's not a it's not a belief 
like what do we see from James? Even the you know, even even Satan and his demons believe. Again, this is a faith-saving belief. This is not just yeah head knowledge of something. Um, and and this is why he goes on to say, but do not believe every spirit. So do not put your faith and your trust on everything you hear, on everything you see. So this is a faith-saving belief, and that belief equates to whatever we read in the scriptures about Christ. If the if 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 it's something contrary to the scriptures about Christ, then it is not from Christ. And this is where the emphasis comes in in verse two and verse three, the spirit of the Antichrist. Anything that denies the deity of Jesus Christ, that denies Christ is King, that denies Christ is God incarnate, that denies that Christ came in the flesh that he took on the form of a servant, that he died on the cross, that he was obedient, that he obeyed the law. You know, we've got we've got all sorts of whack teachings about Jesus on, on TikTok. You know, so, you know, for one, like the Mormons believe that Jesus was the brother of Satan. There, there is no scripture to suggest this. Nothing whatsoever. No. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so again, it's that it's it's when we fully believe that faith that believing faith on Christ Jesus, we then, we then, we see the, the inward change, which John is and talking about. So I went ahead and I pulled up second Corinthians chapter 11 real quick, because I want to point out that John's not alone in warning people to not, to test the spirits and not trust everyone is of God. Paul says in second Corinthians for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Be careful now. Be very careful. And, and this is something, again, we see from John, we see from Paul, we see Peter talk about it, Jesus talks about it. One of Satan's number one uh, uh, tools is to impersonate the Christian. I, I've heard people say something. If God is real, why are there so many religions? I, my response was, if God is real, does that mean the enemy is real? If God is real, doesn't that mean the enemy is also real? Because if so, pay attention to how the enemy moves. If anything, yeah. I think the fact that all the other religions get a free pass on everything and Christianity doesn't should be the biggest uh, you know, signal that there's a certain distinction about Christianity. You can't mock any other religion. You can mock Christianity. You can't uh, disrespect every any other religion. You can disrespect Christianity. All the other religions get looked at as a virtue signal. Like, look at them. Oh, look at those those Islam and Muslims doing this and the Jews doing this. Jews and Christians, like, no, Christian bigotry, Christian hate. You, if you want to know the real truth, pay it, if you can't realize who where the truth is, find out where the enemy's putting his focus. And why is the enemy putting his focus all over there? Maybe the enemy knows something you don't know. Yeah, amen. But I digress. Let us continue. Amen. Back in 1 John, verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
I want to go back and start this little passage over. I just wanted to finish that. But he starts off by saying, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Talk about a reminder of who exactly you walk with. This is why, again, JD started it by saying this. First John has so much strength in it. Yeah. So much strength for your battles, so much confidence for your salvation, so much everything that you need in it. it it's a, it's a it's a an incredible epistle, and he's reminding you that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Jesus reminds you when he says, "Do not fear the one that can kill the body; instead, fear the one that can kill the body and soul in hell." There's nothing that anyone in this world can do to you, because the one in you conquered death, and that's what Paul is saying. And then I love that he points out to the that, that the world speak from the world and the world listens to them, but we are from God. And it says, whoever knows God listens to us. Have you ever ran into people that were fellow Christians and immediately you felt closer to them than your family? You immediately felt like you could trust them. The world does not hear us. As he says right here, the world does not listen to us, but whoever is of God, they listen. Don't go crazy. When you're uh, when you're talking to non-believers and it just feels like you're talking to a wall, feels like you're speaking a different language, feels like no matter what I say, they just can't get it through their head. They walk in the flesh. They do. They walk in the flesh and they don't hear you. And there's nothing you can change about yourself that they're, that's going to make them hear you unless you abandon the thing in you that they don't like. And that's Jesus. So don't go thinking this is an, an, a, a you problem. It's not. It's, it's, it's a them problem if they don't hear you. And they reject who you are because you are in Christ. You know your brothers and sisters in Christ recognize you. They love you. They accept you. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I thought you might have had something. I'm scrolling down then. All right, here we go. Here we go. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Remember, uh, we talked about that recently about knowing God, right? The word know being an intimate relationship in scripture, yeah. to know God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So John straight up right here says something that it might not be read this way, but if this isn't a check, if this isn't you getting, if the spirit doesn't get convicted right here to make you say, hmm, do I love? John's saying it. Whoever does not love does not know God. He might not be yeah. saying, if you don't do this, you're not saved, because that's what we look for. We look for what does it say, how to be saved. Okay, cool. That's how, that's how I'm saved. Is there anything in here saying how I can be unsaved, right? That's what we look for. But see, again, they're not talking about losing salvation. He's telling you about people that just don't know God, because that's what the issue is. You need to know, are you in the light or not? There's no, yeah. I was in the light and then I fell out. The Bible's not going to warn you about that. Instead, the Bible warns you about the people that aren't really in the light. And it says, anyone who does not love does not know God. Not, not anyone who does not love, depending on their situation, depending on their circumstances, depending on their experiences. No, because love conquers all. And if Jesus yeah. continued to love while being beaten, beaten and tortured and put on the cross, you have no excuse. This isn't like church, JD, right? Like people could try and make an excuse like I can't make it to church because, you know, I live in Alaska and mm -hmm. there's no churches around me. Like, all right, I get it. There's no excuse on this planet for not loving. There's yeah. no excuse. I, mean, I haven't heard Yeah, they, they absolutely agree with you. But like, moreover, when we go through this epistle, and 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 this is just something that like <clears throat> I wanted to bring up last week, and 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 we got stuck into it. But I'm just going to bring it up now. 
is 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 one of the things that we realize about about John is his kingdom minded. John is kingdom minded. John isn't thinking about this life. And 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 we've got we've got 39 people in the chat right now. So I want to ask you guys something. I want to ask you something and you can think about this as we go throughout the podcast. But this is a serious question. How often do you sit and meditate in heaven? How often do you sit and meditate on heaven? How often are you sitting thinking about your life? You see because some of us we 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 hear the term everlasting life or eternal life and we we look at it we look at it like an extension of this life we look like this life will just keep going like the life you now live in the flesh is something that when you die you are not going to die and you're going to keep on being i'm going to be, be the jd i am now mike's going to be the mike he is now and that's not what the bible teaches at all your life begins when it ends this is why paul says this is why paul says for me to live is christ and to die is gain so his purpose is immovable because he's living for christ he's not living for i mean as we see in second timothy as we've gone through as well recently no man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life and and this is something that a lot of people don't know so and and i'm going to say this because there's a lot of this going on on tiktok Anybody that claims they've been to heaven, guys, they're lying. <laughs> they are lying. There Four are hell. five people. There are five people in the entire Bible. 66 books. Five people that saw visions of heaven. There's Isaiah, Daniel, uh, there is Paul, there is John, and there is um, Isaiah, Daniel, Paul, and Ezekiel. Five people in the entire text that had visions and saw heaven. That was it. So if God only gave to his greatest prophets out of all of them, only five saw glimpses of heaven. And, and look at how they speak about it. Look at how they speak about heaven. Look at how John speaks about heaven in, in the book of Revelation. Look at how look at how the apostle Paul speaks in the third person. And he says the things that were seen there are not even lawful for him to utter on this plane. So again, when we see people coming out and going, oh, they just recently saw Jesus and they took an elevator up to heaven and, and Jesus came to them in their dreams. Guys, this is this is this is not biblical. This is not biblical, nor is, is it true. I don't doubt the dream. The problem is they took a dream and tried to say it was biblical or try to say it's of God. And the reason why they don't challenge it is because the beginning of this verse, testing every spirit, because that doesn't just mean it, 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 holy or demonic. But test your own mind. Test your own thoughts. Like, what is what is what is the thoughts that I'm having right now? Are they of God? And, and yeah, JD, I, it is once appointed a man to die. Once appointed yeah. for man for judgment. You don't get to go to heaven and come back. You don't get to go to hell and come back. The people that do the whole God took me to hell for 37 minutes, and I'm here to tell you why you need to avoid hell. Like that's that's great that you're giving this message that that scares people out of hell. But no, he didn't. No, he yeah. didn't bring you to hell because you don't get to come home from that. There's no. I mean, second we, we see that we see that with the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, where you know he's like, "Please, can I go back and warn my brothers so that they can repent?" And he's like, "If they're not, they've got Moses, they've got the prophets, they've got the word. Like, if they're not going to believe them, it's, there's no sending you back, bro." And and ultimately, we 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 see this again and again on 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 tiktok and these and the reason it's it's infuriating is because they get 
thousands and thousands of views. And, and when I go through the comment section and I see all these amens and I pray that this happens to me and I've been asking God for visions and I've been asking God to go to heaven. Look at what this epistle says here. He that loveth, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And it was manifested, the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, that not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There's that word again, propitiation. We went through this last week. So what we see here and the reminder and the question I want to ask you guys and Ezekiel, uh, Mel, uh, what we see, what we see here is that our eternal life is not an extension of the life we now live. The life you now live, this is why we see phrases like the apostles say, you who were once dead in your trespasses, you who were once alienated from God, you were once cut off and separated from God, are now reconciled and back. The life we now live is hidden in heavenly, in hidden in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, which means eternity is something that begins the moment it ends here. It's not an extension of. Are you, so are you cutting that off or are you ready for it now? Are yeah. You, right? are, you, are you trying to hold on to every bit of the world now? Or are you trying to uh, uh, put it off? I mean, are you trying to get into that and say, like JD said, like, is this what I'm going to be doing in the kingdom? Kingdom mindset. I, I love that. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. all the people on TikTok with vision, like these things. Can I tell you all something? A uh, little side note here. And I want people on TikTok to hear this. I want people on YouTube to hear it. It almost seems like everyone in the in the online Christian community, everybody wants gifts, dreams, visions, special revelations, prophecy, tongues. It's it's crazy because all of you have the ability to leave your house right now and go serve the Lord tomorrow. You have the ability to go feed people. You have the ability to provide clothes for people, but people rather sit inside and ask God for these extravagant gifts that show off your Christianity and show off your ability and your power in Christ. But can I be very honest with you? God wants you to go out and love people. He wants you to yeah. go out and serve people. He wants you That's to watch, to feed people, to clothe people. And when That's necessary, it. when the power of God is necessary in doing those things, he will be there with you. But if you're just sitting in your house, do you think God having billions of children ready to go out and serve him is going to be like, well, the guy that sits in his house, I'm going to give him tongues so he can talk in the mirror or so he can talk That's in the phone. He Amen. wants to, the Bible doesn't say anything about him promising to give you extra gifts. No, he wants his, his, working his working children out here to have those gifts if you want gifts if you want power go out and serve because then you'll learn you don't need power you don't need gifts your mind's on the wrong thing yeah, yeah. i want visions why do you need visions? you know who he is blessed are yeah. those that see but blessed are those that have not that believe and have not seen like amen go out and serve god in the streets amen and louder and and, and let's get louder about that because this is this is the reality of what we've seen in the first three chapters, and now we now we're getting into the meat and the end. As as yeah, John you'll notice, not once in this letter is John going to say, 
We know that we are saved. We know that he is with us if you speak in tongues today. Not once yeah. is John going to say that I, you know, that the power of the Holy Spirit caused me to raise a body and heal a person. And by this, we know that we are his children. Pay attention what this entire book is saying. Love, love abides in you. Love, love, love. By this, we know we are one with him. Love, when we love one another, by this, we know he knows us. Love, love, love. This is what God gives us, the, the love of God abiding in you. Yes, he who is in me is greater than this world, and we have access to any of the gifts we need, but your focus should be on seek first the kingdom of God in all righteousness, and then all things will be provided to you. Seek first the kingdom of God in all righteousness. Go ahead, JD. I mean, and, and, and this is it. I mean, dude, you're sitting in your house now. I mean, <laughs> ultimately, yes, we're, we're, we're doing a podcast. That's why we're sitting in a house. But I don't want I mean, people take the analogy and take the wrong part of it to try and destroy it. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good on you, man. But like, yeah, here's what we see. Like on Wednesday, I'm going. I've been invited to go preach to to a hundred a hundred teenagers, all all you know, um, disadvantaged, all poor, and um, you know, bring them the gospel and bring them Bibles. So again, thank you to everybody that's gotten involved with, with getting Bibles to them on Wednesday, but it's, uh, you know, this is what we are called to do. This is what we are called to do. If an opportunity comes up for you to, to, to magnify Christ and the eternal life, which we have in him to magnify what he has already accomplished and who we are in him, this is what it's about. It's not about this life. And, and again, this epistle makes it so abundantly clear that nothing of this life will bring us any joy. And, and we'll, we go into that, you know, again from verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. Have we got down there Okay. Have we got down there yet? You just jumped down. Yeah, no, no, I'm there. Yeah, I went through. I went through nine you and, said and it's ten. Getting it's on? Yeah, we already went through nine and oh, ten. Oh man, I must, I, was have been, I must have been praying or something. <laughs> I missed that part. Let's yeah, read it again. Hold on. Anyone who does no, not love God does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You did read this. I heard you say propitiation. I was off in another country at that time. I was actually writing a note. Now that I remember it, I was writing a note to self on biblical stuff, you know, because whenever we're studying, you know, I'd be like, oh, I want to study that deeper. Uh, so you yeah. did read that. But I needed to hear it again for myself, right? This ain't just for y'all. This is for this for <laughs> me and JD also. Y'all don't even understand. Y'all just are invited to me and JD's, you know, hangout time. We just chilling. <laughs> but I wanted to point out something up there. Um, it says, so that we might live through him. Live. That word live. Live. Think about that. How often do we come to Christ and then we sit around and, and, and we think it's the end of the race? No, no, no. You're born again. When you're born, you're a baby. And now all that you have ahead of you is your new life. You have a new life ahead of you to walk, to crawl, to run. And you're going to fall. 
Yeah, just like a child, you're going to fall, a newborn Christian, you're going to trip, but you have a whole life to live. But we should live that through Christ, live that with Christ, and not sit in our tomb with our burial garments on. When Jesus rose, he walked out his tomb. When Jesus called Lazarus, he came out of his tomb. But a lot of us will come to Christ and we sit in our own tomb. Self-condemnation wrapped up in the same burial garments that we had when we died when we died in our sin and thinking, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to come out of this tomb. And you already been risen. You 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 alive in Christ and he wants you to live through him. Not just yeah. not just die to him, but live through him. Because a lot of people yeah. are like, I'll die for my God, but will you live for him? Yeah. There's a lot of people. Have you seen the the meme lately with the dude dancing? And it's like when when I have to either go to the guillotine or stop believing in Jesus. And it's like me going to the guillotine, like doom 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 doom. And everybody always be like, yeah, yeah, I'll be the first one to lift him, chop my head off for Jesus. Like, what? Yeah, you? Because yeah, yeah. you can start living for Jesus today. Why you ain't start living today? It's just. <laughs> It's like when yeah. Asbury happened, like everybody was ready to drive 18 mile, 18 hours to go to this revival, but they don't go down the street to the homeless camp and, and bring a revival there. And I'm not trying to yeah. challenge people in a negative way, but at the same time, I am <laughs> I'm trying to make you ask yourself that same question. Why does everybody's yeah. got to wait till they get power and, and visions and, and special stuff when you can just leave your house right now, bro. You can go down the street yeah. right now and go share the gospel. Yeah, everybody's waiting for some special instruction. Like you're gonna get, you're gonna get like a, you know a one-on-one when you've got a full closed cannon and and you've got every single bit of instruction. For I mean, what does he say? Again, we go to Second Timothy again and again for this. You know, the Word of God has got everything in it for rebuking, exhortation. You know, for studying to make the man of God perfect. Why, why would it say it's there to make you perfect? And and this is not perfect in the sense of being perfect like Christ, but perfect in the sense of your spiritual walk. And um, that if you are in the Bible, you are in the word, you cannot be deceived. You cannot be deceived by those claiming to have seen God outside of the scripture, because that's simply not biblical. That's the bottom line. It's just not biblical. So where JD last read, it said, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And I don't know if, if we think about what that really means enough. It's so easy to read over that Hallmark card kind of cliche statement. If God loved us, love each other. But we think about that in the pretty view. Let's go to the ugly view for a second. God loved me when I had a needle in my arm. God loved me when I was using women, when I hated myself. God loved me when I was broken in the pits of depression. And if God loved me in those moments, what is this passage saying? If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I think we think about that like, well, God loves me right now and I'm being a good person and you know, I'm doing my best. And then we look at someone who's not there. We see the old version of ourselves and we forget that we needed God's love then too. And I think we don't, we don't understand that sometimes because we do. We have a pride issue in humanity, especially in the Christian yeah. church. We have a pride yeah. issue. James talks about it, right? He said that you treat the king different. The guy that comes in with the ring and everything and the and the, the person who's broke comes in and you treat him less because he looks less because he's not as nice. We do that in our country. What? People look better if they are naturally more attractive, if they're skinnier, more in shape, they have more money. We treat people differently based on those things. And the word of God is saying, no, 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 you love everyone. You love everyone equally, no matter how lost they are in their own sins. And I think that's that's a big problem that we see. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us 
and his love is perfected in us. Amen. No one has seen, ever seen God. Think about that. Yep. Amen. Because I think a lot of people might get confused on this. Well, what do you mean? No one has ever seen God. Then they see Jesus, right? But John's also the one who says it in the beginning of John chapter one. Let me go back to John chapter one real quick so I can show you something that John says in the beginning. Amen. I'll be right back. Yeah, go ahead. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. There he goes saying it again, but then he says what this time? The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. He has made him known. So Jesus is the revelation of God. That means all the way back to Genesis, Adam, any of them. It's always been Jesus. It's always been Jesus that has made the appearance and made God known to us. Because we can't know who the Father is. He's too big for us to know. The only way we can know him is through Jesus. And Jesus says what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So ever since day one, it has always been Jesus who is the perfect revelation of the Father. In fact, it literally says it in Hebrews. Let's go over to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews 1 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he, still talking about Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. I'm going to read that one more time. That's about Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his, uh, given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. So now John's saying, we've seen this though. This we've seen, that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Anybody always says, uh, how is Jesus God? Here's actually an, an example right here. Did you know that this was an example of it saying Jesus is God? And here's how I can show you how. Um, I got to try and remember this off the top of my head. Isaiah, man, there's so many chapters in the Bible. 43. Let's go to 43. I think this might be it. Do, 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 do. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth. No, not right there. It might be Isaiah 44. In the scroll of Isaiah, basically what I'm looking for now is where it says, there is no savior uh, but myself, but me, the, uh, but me, God, right? He says, there are no saviors, no saviors but me. I am the only savior. Ah, here we go. Is this it? I name you though you do not know me. I am the Lord and there is no other God besides me. There is no God. Oh, this is where he says, besides me, there is no God. Keep going down. 
gonna have to come back to it when I got JD on here where I can actually look look it up and not feel like I got you guys waiting on me. But in the scroll of Isaiah, he says, besides me, there is no savior. I am the only savior. And yet we see in first John, it's saying that Jesus is the savior of the world. If anybody says Jesus is not God, then you have to ask them, well, wait a minute. If especially if they believe the Bible, right? I'm not talking about atheists. If you talk to someone who says they believe the Bible, but says Jesus isn't God or says, show me in the Bible where Jesus is God, ask them, is Jesus the savior of the world? And they say, yes, because the scriptures say so. Then you take them to the scroll of Isaiah and I will get that for you actually. Give me one second. Oh, it was in 44. Did I go right past it? I did. Oh, it was all here. Here we go. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, I am the last. Besides me, there is no God who is like me. Let him proclaim it and let him declare and set, set it before me since I appointed an ancient people. Oh, no, that's not it. My bad. 43.10. Ah, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and, and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no savior. There we go. Sorry about that, guys. That was not something I had ready for it to get. Yeah, right. Where's my Bible guys in the chat that always know exactly where in the Bible uh, to find stuff? And if this should, right now, I like showing you this, though, transparency, right? People always say, Mike, how can I be as wise as you? How can I know everything you know? I don't know everything. You see me right now? I just literally had to dig through the Bible. I'm like, where was this at again? I know the words that are in the Bible, but I don't mean I can always find them. All right, I'm waiting. I'm trying to kill time for JD to come back. Besides me, there is no savior. Ah, there he is. Sorry, man. No, my, you're my cat. I was utilizing <laughs> uh, the time while you were gone to show that uh, in First John chapter fourteen, First John chapter fourteen, first, chapter four, verse thirteen, it says, "And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world." And I said, you know, when people say, "How is Jesus God?" and um, I took them to Isaiah. It took us a little bit to get here. Isaiah forty-three, where it says, "I, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no savior." So if Jesus is the savior, then he's competing with God, unless he's God. That's <laughs> unless it. Unless he is God. All right, J.D., keep going. Amen. I've been doing a lot of reading. I'll let you do, um, I'll let you do a little King James in um, verse 14. Verse 14. Yeah. There we go. Amen. Amen. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And I mean, this is this is awesome. This is this is where it really gets like, and again, just just touching on what I said earlier, kingdom minded. Uh, we have boldness because we know what did Jesus say? 
they hated me, they will hate you. Um, what does Paul say? What does Peter say? Again, you know, a lot of people equate, uh, you know, suffering for the gospel um, to dying without food or, or getting cancer or whatever the case may be. But Paul wasn't a masochist. Um, you know, nor was he, nor was he a stoicist. So it's, it's some people create problems for themselves by attacking everyone on, on social media. And then, then people respond and they're like, I'm being persecuted for the faith. No, you're not. That's not persecution for the faith. You, you are provoking your brothers and sisters and you are not taking correction. So again, what, what we see here is having boldness, those who walk in love, that Jesus Christ has given them have boldness approaching the throne room of God, because what do the scriptures teach us? Vengeance is God's. God is the only righteous judge. He is the only one who has authority on heaven and earth. So that's, that's the weapon of our warfare is love. People are like, well, why are you not? Why are you not this? Why are you not that? Because yeah, we see this here in our love is made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How is our love made perfect? Go back. Who shall ever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. There we go. So if you dwell in love, if you walk in love, if you act in love, if everything you do is for the sake of love, you have boldness approaching the judgment seat of God. And, and, and I'll remind you in Matthew 10, where Jesus Christ says to the Pharisees, where he calls them vipers, and he says to them that every single idle word they have spoken, they will give account to before God. And here, here is what we see. The apostle John knew this, and that's why he he too, and we see the, the replication of, of Christ being silenced in front of his accusers. We see the same replication take place in his apostles and those who followed on. Is that there are things that, that, that the world are going to say, that the world are going to do, that we know that ultimately this is not of God. And we speak truth in love. And because we speak truth in love, we will be hated. And you see that, that say, there is no hate like Christian love. We are hateful bigots because of whatever the case may be. There's so many topics. But here we see in those, those few verses that those who dwell in God dwell in, dwell in love. This is, this, is our, this is our key. And I love the fact that in the ESV it says, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, right? You think of boldness. I like the fact that it's, it's emphasizing confidence because I get a lot of people that don't have confidence in their salvation. They're scared of judgment day, right? Like, will I be good with the Lord? Will I have peace with the Lord? And, And Paul tells us in Romans five, therefore, since we have been justified by God, I mean, justified by faith, we have peace with God, peace, true peace. And I've said this before, but you can't have peace with imminent danger lurking over you, right? If we were in a state of conflict and at any moment Canada could attack us or something, right? Which I know, probably not really that scary of an idea, but imagine Canada is also scary. Um, we wouldn't be at peace every night. We, even if it wasn't happening at the moment, we still wouldn't have peace because it can happen. But we're at yeah. peace with God because there is no falling back into being his enemy. 
We were once his enemy and reconciled to God. So by this, when we allow love to perfect us, and you'll see why here in a little bit, he's going to explain to you why, which in the next actual uh, verse, he says, by, you know, when you have love perfected in us, we have confidence for the day of judgment. I'm going to go into the next verse. Listen to what he says. I want a lot of you to hear this because a lot of you suffer with fear. And you say, Mike, how do I conquer fear? It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So yeah, think about this. Now, there's a lot that he just said. He said, perfect love casts out fear. So if you still have fear, then your love hasn't been perfected yet. But that's not a reason to freak out because what did it say earlier? It said, by this is love perfected with us, which means this is a journey. I saw someone asking, is this, a, is this happen over time? Yes, it happens over time. Because the beginning of all of our knowledge of God begins with what? Fear. We begin our knowledge with the fear of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Now, that fear is also a reverence, by the way. And so it, it can be used in a reverence way. But also, when all of us come to the Lord, you come with some fear. Like, I don't deserve this, Lord, and you could wipe me out. But with perfect love, it casts out fear. And what does it say? Because fear has to do with punishment, right? Like Even a, even a healthy fear has to do with punishment. Think about this. I have a healthy fear of fire. I'm not a, I'm not scared of fire. Like if I see a fire, I don't freak out. But it's a healthy fear because if I break that rule of fearing it and touch it, I'm gonna. Ha there's gonna be a consequence. It might not be a punishment from a person, but that fire is gonna punish me. I'm gonna get burned, and I have a healthy respect for that fear. So when you first come to God, God is a big fire, and you're like, okay, I love you, God. I know not to touch though. Like I I know not to cross that line because you'll burn me heavily. Yeah. But as he teaches you that he's your father and he's not going to cast you away, that perfect love that we that we see on the cross, we, and here, how, again, how do you get to know this perfect love? Abiding in it and letting his love speak to you, being in his word. Like I said earlier, get out of your house and go love people, serve people. You want to see the face of God? Go love people because that's where you learn more about God. And perfect love will cast out that fear because then yeah. you'll realize how much your God loves you. And perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. There is no punishment for me. Anyone who believes you can lose your salvation, that means there's a chance that you get punished. You can't say that you have no fear. You can't say you have peace with God. Not trying to make you feel bad right now. But if you disagree with the fact that we are eternally secured in Christ Jesus, then there's no way that this part of the Bible can apply to you because there's a chance for punishment if you fall away. Amen. Amen. And and, and just to add to that, Joshua, um, I, I love I love that question. Um, and I love that name, by the way. I often I wish my name was Joshua. But anyway, so what we see here, you with that question is this had does this happen over time? Yes, it does. 100%, as Mark said, but that time is completely up to you. And, and what do I mean by that? If, if you are going to read your Bible five minutes a week, this, this is going to take years of perfecting. If you are in your word daily, if you are praying daily, if you are seeking God daily, the, the refining love happens a lot quicker. And again, this is, this is what we, Jesus Christ says to us in John, in John 15, um, you know, so John 5, and we, we see the same thing again and again, that what is faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So your faith increases 
and your love increases as your faith increases. And the more you spend time in the word of God, the more you grow in God and his love perfects you. If you are constantly seeking him again, going back to what I said at the beginning, how much time do you guys spend thinking about heaven and how much time do you spend thinking about, I've got to pay my mortgage. I've got to this, I've got to that. I've got to this. I've got, why does Matthew 6 33 tell us seek ye first the kingdom of God then and his righteousness. And then the rest will be added. And, and this is it. So many of us first seek other things. And then at the end of the day, let me spend five minutes seeking the kingdom of God. You see, the apostle John spent his days meditating on the life he would be living with God. The apostle Paul spent his days meditating on the life he would be living with God. The apostle Peter spent his days meditating on the life he would live with God. And so we see with the prophets of old as well. This is where their thoughts were. They, they were constantly focused on being in God's presence. And this is this is it. It's 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 like uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use Mark and his son. I mean, we, we see how much he loves his he loves his dad. He wants to be in his dad's presence. He wants to be around his dad. He wants to go places with his dad. He wants to do things with his dad. This is how the believer should be towards their relationship with Christ. You, you want to be in his presence. You want to constantly do things with him. Like, I'm not going to walk unless you walk first. And, and, and this is, this is, this is, we think we know better. And the problem is, is we don't. And this is why so many times, you know, we see people try and move ahead of God. And then they're like, why is this happening? Well, have you, have you abided in him? Have you taken his instruction? Have you spent your time in his word? Or is this, just you acting out because you you're impatient and the same thing will happen as he, as, as, as Mike mentioned, you know, having a healthy fear of the Lord is, is, is the beginning of wisdom. This is what the, the Solomon writes in Proverbs. And, and a lot of people miss that is that fear of the Lord is not being scared of God. Like, again, we use their example of the father and the son. My son knows that if he's naughty, there is there are consequences the same way we know that if we disobey God, there is chastisement involved where this doesn't mean God loves me any less. This means God is refining me. This means God is sanctifying me. This means God is working on me. As we see, Paul says to us in Philippians, he who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. Again, the security we have in Christ is eternal. And if we spend our days meditating on the eternity rather than meditating on the problems that we face in this current life, this is also that keeps a lot of people back from growing spiritually because you're so focused on this life and the problems of this life rather than being focused on what God has already promised, what God has already ordained. Amen. And that's where, that's where we need to be focused. And then pay attention to what he says next. We love because he loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Notice he ends this chapter very similar 
to the chapter prior. Now, granted, chapter numbers are something added differently, but I'm sure that when it comes to these short letters that they probably broke it down probably by pages or something like that. But it is interesting how these two chapters end very similar to the last chapter said, let us not love in, in word, but in deed. And then he talks about those commandments, love the Lord thy God um, and, and love your neighbor. And here again, he says, if anybody says I love God and then hates his brother, he's a liar. He doesn't give that person any type of explanation, any type of like, but, you know, well, this person was mean. And da, da, da. anyone who hates his brother and says, I love God is a liar. Now, that's the word of God right there. But yet, if I told you that somebody isn't really a Christian because they run around like if there's let's say someone's online, and they're a Christian and they're hateful towards people. And I say this person has serious hate in their heart. I, I don't I don't I don't look at them like a saved person. Like, I can't judge them, but I don't see them as a saved person. So I'm not going to treat them that way. I'm going to treat them like someone who needs the gospel, someone who's not uh, uh, serving Christ. People would be like, oh, how dare you, this, this, and that. You don't know that person's heart. But the Bible says, if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he's a liar. If someone hates their brother, what does the Bible say? He's a liar. Just being honest with you. That's not my fault. And, and it's important for us to recognize things like that. Because then we know who to trust. I'm just being honest with you. If I've got a, if I have two people in front of me, one's JD and one's this Christian who's very hateful, and I can spend time with one of them and 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 build in my relationship with the Lord with them, I'm gonna pick JD to spend time with. That's not about partiality. That's about who's gonna help me better grow in the Lord versus the other one needs the Lord. I need to. They're not someone I want to fellowship with. They're someone I want to bring the gospel to. I want to fellowship with the person who demonstrates the love of God in them. I want to fellowship with someone who demonstrates that maturity in the word of God that can pour into me and help lift me up. And nobody who follow that, that, that is considered what the word says, a liar is that person. Yeah. Amen. All right. Chapter five. Amen. Here we go. Here we go. Got some, got some meat and potatoes over here. That's it. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So now he said three things so far in the last chapter, if you haven't paid attention. He said, anyone who confesses that Jesus came in the flesh, that Jesus is the son of God, and now is the Christ. I don't know if you guys know this, but that sounds an awfully lot familiar to what Peter kind of confesses when uh, he says, who do you say I am? And he said that you have not revealed, you, don't, you didn't figure that out on your own. My father revealed that to you from um, heaven. Confess that Jesus came in the flesh, that he is the Christ, and he's the son of God. That's the three things we see so far in John. If though, if you do those things, it's saying you, you have been born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. Ah, there's a, there it is. If you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. Why? Because whoever loves God, whoever loves the father, loves whoever is also born of him. So if J.D. is born of God because he confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh, is the son of God, is the Messiah, then I need to love J.D. because the father loves him and he is born of the father. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Again, what are those commandments? To believe in the one he sent and to love your brothers and sisters, right? Do we believe in Jesus? And do we love our brothers and sisters? For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Again, 
Anybody that takes you here, if you run into a tour observer or one of these law keepers and they say, look, First John chapter 5 says we have to keep his commandments. We have to follow his commandments. Say, I absolutely agree. But then ask them, what commandments is John speaking of? And take them back to First John chapter 3. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes this world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I want you to be clear that this isn't saying that um, you're going to overcome the world physically. You're going to overcome that job. You're going to overcome depression. It's saying that your faith overcomes the world because he who is in you is greater than the world. He has already conquered death. There's nothing that can happen to you beyond life eternal in Christ Jesus. So this confidence is that you have something greater and bigger beyond this world. Not that, oh, well, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to conquer my, my SATs and I'm going to do great as this, this, and that. That's not what the scriptures are saying. Nope. Absolutely not. All right. And scroll down. Verse five. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth. Now, here's a here's a going to be a little bit of an issue here. <laughs> this verse coming up next is a little different in the King James Version. Um, I don't know. I've never asked you how you feel about this verse, J.D. Um, I believe that it's not in the, the majority manuscripts, but I so I understand why they don't put yeah. it in there. But in the ESV, it says, for there are three that testify the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. Now, I believe that this does not contradict what the meaning is. It's still telling you that the three that bear witness, um, it just goes off the manuscripts that are the majority. However, the King James says in verse seven, for there are three that bear witness record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. I don't know if you wanted to add your two cents to that area. Yeah, and again, you know, I've, I've, I've obviously because I've spent a lot of time with with the Trinity right and back. a lot of time, I've spent a lot of time on the Triune God of Scripture. And a, a lot of a lot of baby Christians will go to will go to you know one John five seven as a defense for the Triune God. And although that is very clear, um, this is not our best defense um, for the Triune God of Scripture because. Ultimately, there are many, 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 many other passages where we see the theophanies of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, all in one. Um, so again, um, generally with most other translations, I know the ESV, the NASB um, have got this in the footnotes. So if it's not in, in the actual text that is in the footnotes, um, but again, this is this is one of the reasons why I do love the King James Bible, um, because this is what we see. The three that bear record in heaven and the three that, that bear witness in the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And um, these three agree. Again, the some people will take that out of context and, and try and manipulate that it, you have to be baptized. Um, you know, they, they use this as a defense for baptismal regeneration. This isn't a defense for that either. And that's what I'm saying. The same way that verse 7 isn't the best defense for the Trinity, verse 8 isn't a good defense for baptismal regeneration either. So ultimately, we just see the acknowledgments of John here that the, the one 
So if you have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, if you have believed the gospel, you are saved. And this is by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the finished work of the cross. Um, and again, just to just to touch on your question, Josh, um, <clears throat> does anger, um, you know, when it comes to anger, um, Mel already touched on that. Do not be, you know, be angry, but sin not in your anger. Again, anger is 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 a product of the flesh. So when when we get angry, this is why we we are told in the scriptures to be slow to speak, um, slow to anger. So anger is going to come. I mean, even Jesus says it's it's impossible that offenses won't come, but woe to those who the offense comes to, because ultimately how we respond when we have been offended or when we have been angered is is the line we then decide to either cross into sin or walk away and say, no, um, I know who's in me. I know that God is in control and I'm not going to, I'm not going to indulge into this, but again, um, you know, it's, it's a very fine line. Amen. I don't know what, what, I don't know what I missed when I ran to the bathroom, but I will say this. I, I often find it helpful to constantly ask myself if I would say the things I'm about to say, in front of the Lord, before I'm commenting, before I say something to someone uh, verbally, like ask yourself, would I say these things in front of Jesus? If he was standing here by my side, because he is, would you would yeah. you feel okay saying those things? Um, and, and, and remember that he fought against his anger. Um, obviously he was on the cross and forgave those that killed him. Will you have moments of anger? Will you sin? Will you slip up? Yes. Um, but that that pain in your heart, means that you don't have the hate deep in your heart, right? That's your flesh sinning against uh, God, not you. As Paul said, it, it is sin in me um, that sins, right? So I want people to understand when Paul says, not Paul, when John says, anyone who hates his brother he, and says he loves God, uh, you, you know, you're a liar. And if you feel like, well, you know, sometimes I get angry and and I get hateful, right? You, you might be defining the term hate the way you want to, but we're talking about a deep hatred, an abhorring ab 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 something, despising something, right? We don't we don't look at hate that way nowadays. Nowadays, people call anything hate. You tell someone no, it's like, oh, you're hateful. If you tell somebody I disagree with you, it's hateful. We can look at the wrong type of things and think it's hateful. Just like love in the Bible doesn't mean what it means, right? As we're reading these chapters and we're hearing him talk about abiding in love, like that's why I pulled open 1 Corinthians because love in the Bible is defined a specific way. We have to understand that when we talk about love, we're also talking about that biblically because a lot of progressive Christians will take these kinds of verses and be like, well, look, see, I, I love everybody. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that affectionate, uh, you know, fluffy love. We're talking about love that does not condone wrongdoing, that is just, that is honest, that is dependable and reliable, uh, lo love that is loyal. Um, and the same thing goes with hate. We're not talking about something that the world might define as hate. We mean a deep hatred in your heart. And if you feel yourself grieved at the fact that you might've had anger towards someone that gives you evidence that the spirit of God is in you fighting against that. Um, I think I said it when we started this, uh, either this one or the episode before that, that we don't judge ourselves by our shortcomings, but how we respond to them. How do you respond to your sins? When you when you when you fall short, is there a, a grievance in your heart? Do you feel bad about it? Are you trying to get better, or do you just like whatever? Right? It's how you respond 
to your failures because we all will fail. Every single one of us as Christians, none of us are going to be perfect. And if we had to judge uh, ourselves by our perfections, then yay, we would, we would, we would fail every day. But if we judge ourselves by how we respond to our failures, that's a great way to see um, the spirit of God moving in us. But shall we continue? Yeah. You got love. Speak again. Yeah. Why you sound so far away? Is my volume down? When you muted, I wonder if you lowered your volume. And you still sound low. Like I hear you, but you sound like you're whispering. I just JD be quiet. Oh, I don't know. Let me let me hop out and come back. What about y'all? Is that just me, or can y'all hear? I mean, when you hear him, is that the same way? I give him a moment to get back. What's up, everybody on TikTok? And he's back. Okay. Testing one, two. I mean, I can hear you, but you are lower. Let me see if, if you change your settings and I can up it, up it. Hold on. Let me see. It's okay, guys. I will save the day. Edit mic settings. Automatically adjust microphone. I'm going to change that. Go ahead and speak. One, two, three, four. All right. I just bumped your microphone up to be quiet louder. Let me see. Speak again. One, two. Yeah, my mic volume is full. Yeah, yeah, he got louder. I know that because I raised your volume up. I, so I went in there and I manually uh, upped your volume. All right, we'll just deal with it like that for now. So verse nine. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. He's telling you, if you've rejected what God has said, you're making God a liar when it comes to what he has said about his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So there's some people out there that say you can't know you're saved. There's some people out there that say, well, you can't know you're going to heaven. You you can't know that. And these are normally people that believe in a workspace gospel. Now they might not admit that. They might not admit it's a workspace gospel, but why why else would you say I can't be guaranteed on it? Are you saying that you have to do something, something can change between now and the day that I die. John writes this. Well, listen, John has a habit of telling us why he's writing his books, right? Let's let's actually go back to the gospel, John, real quick. You don't mind, JD. We're gonna go back Away. to the go, go, gospel go. John chapter 20, real quick. Let me close the Greek so you guys can actually read this. Let's read the very end, the purpose of this book. Let's look at how John has a way of doing this. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John tells you, I wrote this so you can have eternal life. Then what does he write First John? 
well, I write this one so that you may know that you have eternal life. So he gave you one so that you can get eternal life. And then he wrote one so you can know you have it. So if you struggle with doubt in your salvation, go read 1 John a few times. Read it a few times and get secured in what John's saying because he says it clearly. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And then listen to this next part. This next part is very strong. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we asked of him. But pay attention. I think sometimes we purposely leave this, leave a part of this out. In his will. In his will. Yep. He promises to hear us if it's in his will. And sometimes we're so arrogant that we'll pray and not even question the fact that maybe we're praying for the wrong thing and be like, well, where's God at? Why is he not answering? The God of the universe, he should answer me when I call upon him. But it says here that we have confidence that if we ask anything towards him in his will, he hears us. And it's still only a promise of hearing us. And then it goes on saying that we will have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I knew I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil does not. But I'm sorry. But he who is born of God protects him. And the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. And we're going to get to verse 21 here in a moment, but we're going to. Hit a bunch of that. Yeah. Pause for a minute. JD, you see There's that? Yeah. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. He is the true God and eternal life. Who did, who did John just say was life himself? He said Jesus is. And then right here, he's speaking of the Father and the Son. Jesus cannot be separated from the Father. I don't even know why people try. I really don't. I re- Maybe I really don't. I mean, I know, I know why people try. It's the, the, the spirit of the Antichrist. Yeah. Ironic we'll talk about this, uh, you know, this book. But it, it's mind-blowing. But I love that John ends this randomly as ever. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Such a little random tidbit. It's almost as if John was writing his letter, got just caught up in the spirit and was just flowing with the spirit. And then when he finished, he's like, oh, I didn't get to say anything about idols. He's just like, let me pen that in right quick. Like that's, John was just like, oh, by the way, stay away from idols. (laughs) 
100%. But I mean, it's, it's, it's just, uh, again, when he touches on this, we know that whoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that, that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that the wicked one toucheth him not. So, so again, what he goes on, he first explains that there is sin unto death, there is sin that is fatal, and then there is sin that is not fatal. And yeah, when he goes on to the next verse, some people go, and, and this is where people come with the, the cherry picking in the one verse. Yo, we know that whoever's born of God doesn't sin. So this is why some Christians make this claim. I haven't sinned since I became a Christian. They are liars, as we see if we go back to, you know, chapter one. He's literally talking about the sins that are fatal. Those who are of God do not commit sin unto death. What is sin unto death? Murder. Murdering your brother, um, you know, plotting, plotting evil. Um, again, go to Galatians chapter 5, see what Paul says of those, Galatians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what Paul says about those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, the believer doesn't act this way. The believer doesn't live in that sin. The believer has turned from that sin, and he now abides in Christ, and Christ abides in him. And this is, this is what we see from the text very clearly. This is not to say that you won't mess up, that you won't sin tomorrow, that you won't sin the next day. We will all sin and battle with sin until the day we die. This is this is a reality, and we 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 need the Holy Spirit. That's the bottom line. We need Jesus. Amen. So I love verse eighteen because verse eighteen screams eternal security for me yet again. We know mm. that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. What do we see that when we see that we well, you automatically think that the person, the Christian doesn't commit sins anymore. But I don't see that when I read that here because it says, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. Who's the one born of God? That's Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus protects us from the evil one. And what is it that keeps us from sinning? Romans 8 says it is the fact that in us is the spirit in which fulfills all righteousness, right? It brings the righteous requirement of the law fulfilled in us. Romans 4 says it's Christ's imp imputed righteousness on us. And with Christ's imputed righteousness on us, when we sin, it doesn't get accounted to us. So therefore, we're not sinning. Again, I'm not giving, this is where the milk and the meat get separated, right? Because people hear this completely wrong. If it's a sin to pick up this pen, every time a non-believer picks it up, they've committed a sin and they're tallied up. There's number 9,500,000 of sin, 9,500,001, right? The new, new creature in Christ, when I pick up this pen, it's not a sin because the sin bounces off me. It doesn't get counted upon me. I have an advocate in heaven, Christ Jesus, 1 John chapter 2. And it's Christ's righteousness in part imputed in me. Now, that doesn't give me permission, therefore, to abuse that and pick up this pen all I want. But when I do pick it up and realize I shouldn't have done that, it's not that I'm tarnished. I can put it down and keep moving forward. We are covered in his righteousness. So when it says that we don't sin, it's not that we don't commit acts of sin. Because we do. Yeah. We're, we're fallen creatures. It's that sin is not counted upon us. So it's like this. Check it out. If I shoot a basketball and it goes in the net, I, I scored. Points come up. But if someone says, I'm not going to count any more points for you, I can shoot it all day long. And if it goes in the net, it doesn't matter because he's not hitting the button and adding points to my score. So I'm not scoring. I might do be doing the act of scoring. I might be shooting it. It goes in the net. Shooting it. It goes in the net. 
but I'm not actually scoring because the person who counts my score said I'm not going to count it anymore. Likewise, our Heavenly Father has said, I will not count your sins anymore. That's not permission, but it's grace and it's protection because, as it says, the one born of God protects us from the evil one. Yeah, exactly. Amen. And this is where we can go to the verses like our sin being separated as far as the east is from the west. Our sins not no longer being imputed to us. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. And again, it's uh, it, it, we this is a discussion that that believers shouldn't even be having. Um, what is sin? Is this a sin? Can I be doing this? Can I be doing this? These these discussions. To me, when I when I look at them, why are we even having those discussions? Because ultimately, if the Holy Spirit is doing the work in you, then you know the conviction. You know the conviction. And this is why Paul goes on to say, if you see a brother eating or, 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 or you know, staying away from certain foods, then, you know, so be it. Let him stay away from certain foods. If that's his personal thing, let him stay away from it. If there's another brother who doesn't want, let him stay away from that. Because we know in Romans 13, he says, eat all, not even, even eating without faith is a sin. Even eating without faith is a sin. So we, we see the sins of the world and all sin is against God. This is the reality. All sin is against God. We, we try and look at, uh, how do I not offend my brother or sister? But ultimately, all sin is against God. It's not. It's more about what we do against him. Ultimately, it is all about what we do against him and not what we do to each other. Because even Christians sinning against believe, When Christians believe that God's a liar, and I'm saying it blunt like that because you need to hear it this way. When a Christian believes God is a liar and he's still counting your sins, <laughs> and now you're worried about everything of what is a sin, you're a slave to sin still. Think about it. Paul says you can either be a slave to sin or a slave to uh, righteousness. If all you're ever worried about is sin, you are still in slavery of sin. You are still a slave to it because you're scared. Oh, what if I step on a crack and break my mother's back? Right. And again, Paul makes it clear. And this is the part that Peter said people will get confused, right? Because Paul's words are rough for people. But should we uh, sin all we want? His grace abound by no means. By no means. That's not permission. What does Paul yeah, say? God's all good. things are permissible for me, but not all are good for me. But the yeah. person who doesn't have to worry about this, they're so focused on Christ that they don't have to worry about this. I mm-hmm. only, you know what makes me think about sin the most? Having to answer questions online because people are asking about sins the most. I, it's not, I don't walk around like, did I commit a sin there? Did I commit a sin there? No, I'm not an employee worried about messing up the rules at my job. I, I'm under my father in heaven. And yes, there are rules that my father has in place, but they're, they're rules between my father and myself and me wanting to obey my father. Yeah. So, I mean, um, oh, we ahead. see this, you know, the question, yeah, what about adultery and lying? Isn't that a sin to death? Let, let's just, I'll ask you to just consider the, consider David. Consider David, who, who the scripture tells us was a man after God's own heart, and he was a murderer and an adulterer. Um, so... He, I mean, he had his best friend killed and took his wife. We saw there were consequences, but where is David today? So I and, believe and that's that. Uh, oh, my bad. Go ahead. I thought you were done. No, 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 no. Carry on, brother. So for that passage that talks about the sin leading to death, I'm going to tell you guys what I believe from what I've read in Scripture. And again, I, we tell you this all the time. J.D. is not the authority. I'm not the authority. I believe that the sin that is uh, that is uh, 
let me get the wording right because I just had a brain fart. Commits a sin that leads to death is the unrepentant sin of the of the person who's rejected the gospel, right? The apostates, the people who have heard the word of God and participated with the Christians, but never actually gave themselves to the gospel and then turned from the gospel. The people that know the truth and reject it. Because if you reject the gospel straightforward, and then any sin after that is headed to death. All sins head to death. Let me make this very clear. All sin has the capability. Of, of taking you to death, but all sin is forgivable. So the only sins that you need to worry about that when he's talking about, I don't tell you, and think about also the context. Who would Paul, John ever tell you not to pray for? The people that have straight up rejected the gospel and are headed to death, right? So I f- fully believe that the sins on the way to death are the unrepentant sins of the people that rejected the gospel 100%. So what's a good example of this? Oh, JD just came back. I don't know if he got to hear me. I was saying, yeah, JD, that the sin. Oh, you did? Okay. So yeah, I, I believe that this is like uh, Hebrews 6, the people who have tasted the goodness of, of everything that the Christians offered and yet still turn from it saying, I don't want that. The people that want to yeah. put themselves back under the old law. Or we have people today that are deconstructed Christians that are now Satanists and they're like, F God, I reject God, right? They, they're, they're in unrepentant sin and they've turned from the cross. Yeah, Is I mean, it so and, and it, say that the sins that don't lead to death are the ones that are forgiven. So the all sins can be forgiven. The sins that lead yeah. to death are the sins that won't be forgiven because you're unrepentant and you refuse to be forgiven. Yeah, and I mean, this is the the simple way to answer this is the moral atheist. The moral atheist is 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 doomed because he has no propitiation for his sin. You know, he could, he, and and this is the problem. We Again, we we look at the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus Christ put so much emphasis on this. You know, he says, you have heard it said that if you sleep with your, your neighbor's wife, you have committed adultery. But I say to you that if you even look at a woman with lustful intent, you have committed that act in your heart. The same with murder. If you have hate towards your brother, you have murdered your brother in your heart. So sin, again, physically acting on it. Jesus Christ makes it so abundantly clear that the phys- the physical action isn't always there, but a lot of people have committed these deeds in their hearts, and and this is the problem. So you you see a moral atheist who who seems to be a stand up person who who you know looks after his family, pays his bills, doesn't beat his wife, looks after his kids, makes sure they go to you know college and university, whatever the case may be, and we look at this person, we go, well, this is someone who's got the moral high ground. But the reality of scripture and what it brings out and what it provokes is that none of us have the moral high ground. None of us are without sin. And this is why Paul says to us in Romans 5, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. No, not one seeks after righteousness. Quoting the psalmist David, no one seeks after righteousness. No one has done good. All have gone out of the way and all are fallen. So when we preach the gospel, again, we have a mediator. We have the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have the blood of Jesus Christ, which stands and covers us. We see the same example in the in the Passover with Moses. And and and, and just quickly, I'm just going to go go through this as quickly as I can. But you know, Mark and I have never had this discussion. But we see this in in Genesis. Uh, sorry, in Exodus. We see this in Exodus where where God gives the instruction 
that they are to cover their lampposts with the blood of the lamb and and those who do so will be spared do you think god didn't know who would or who wouldn't god already knew who would be saved and from from you know from the text we see that there were even some egyptians who who, who had a fear of god and actually painted their doorposts and we see from the exodus that there were even some egyptians who left with the israelites so when people see uh, <coughs> that 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 the Gentiles came in, this was, there were people saved outside of Israel throughout history. And again, the, the blood signifies the, the, the covering, the blood of Jesus Christ is our covering. So anyone who denies Christ denies the blood of Christ, denies the, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Therefore they are not covered and they stand judged for every single thing they ever thought ever ever thought to say but not said everything that has happened in their hearts but they haven't confronted it and and ultimately this is this is what we see is is that even the man who's the moral atheist who's been faithfully married for 50 years has probably looked at over a hundred women with lustful intent or maybe he's maybe he's got a um you know a side problem or addiction to pornography even in that he has committed adultery against his wife so therefore, what people see, God sees way more. And this is why we are told as brothers and sisters in Christ to walk in the light, because ultimately we know that we can't save ourselves. We cannot do anything that is righteous in the eyes of Jesus Christ, but by Jesus Christ. And this is, this is what John is saying in this chapter. Those who live in him, those who live through him, Everything is done by Jesus. Nothing is done by us. And again, this is this is a, when we come to the, the question of morality and, and what is right and what is wrong. It is important to understand the difference that there is no one that is righteous. There is no one who hasn't sinned. And this is the problem. We try and measure on our scale. And on our scale, there's gray areas. There are sins that are See, a sin to me that is that is that is fatal might not be a sin to Mike that is fatal. And so ultimately we are told to test the spirits, test everything, because the conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is what does the author say in Hebrews? He is the perfecter, he is the orchestrator, and he is the perfecter of our faith. So ultimately, we see again and again throughout the scriptures. We, we can't rely on our own goodness, our own goodness. And this is why we say works cannot save you. A Christian who does a lot of work and who's constantly promoting work. And that's not what we're doing here either. We are saying you serve because that's what you want to do, because you're the believer. The believer wants to serve his brothers and sisters. It's not a question of go serve so that you can be saved. It's it's this is the, this is com this is a compelled. I mean, Paul says that in one Corinthians nine. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel, for necessity has been laid upon me. It, it's We know that the world is perishing without Christ. So we preach Christ crucified. And to those who are perishing, it is a stumbling block. To those who are perishing, it is foolishness because they stand on some form of moral high ground. And this, this happens early on when we are still kids. One of the first things we learn is that's not fair. That's not fair. It's one of the first things we learn is, well, why does he have that and I don't? 
And ultimately, this is where the mindset and the worldview starts getting shaped, where we start looking at other people and we start excusing ourselves because there's someone that's worse. And then you, you, you've all heard the saying, well, nobody's perfect. Well, nobody's perfect. And this is, this is a cop-out. Instead of standing up and saying, I was wrong. I own that. I'm sorry. Forgive me. We go, well, ah, nobody's perfect. Someone's done it more than me. Someone's yeah. messed up worse than me. And that's, that's ultimately where we, where we fall into, you know, error, major error. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I got nothing to say on top of that. So that's the end of first John. So let's, uh, let's talk about it a little bit uh, for, to finish up this episode. And, and as JD mentioned earlier, if you guys have any questions, let us know um, about the entire book of it. But remember what we, we told you in the beginning that he writes this so that you may have assurance of your salvation, confidence in your salvation. And he's pointing out things constantly in there to recognize the Holy Spirit in you, to recognize God working in you, to recognize the love of God in you. That is the main things he's pointing to. And he points to the fact that we obey Jesus's commands. He doesn't say anything about how we have to. He just says that we do. We do. And then he'll say, if we do these things, then we know that we're of God. Um, he doesn't say, if we do these things, we know that we're saved because, you know, we, we obeyed him. He's just saying that this is a way that we can know that we are of God. Um, do you think that it's possible? Or do you think it's possibly for someone who truly knows the truth in their heart but can reject the Holy Spirit? It sounds like this is about something we said, because he said, do you think it's possibly? Um, but do I think that people can know the truth and reject the Holy Spirit? So they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. And, and you mean reject uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon them to save them? Because I don't think that that would be a situation. I don't think the Holy Spirit's going to come upon someone who would reject him. I think God... Yeah, and it's a loaded question because what do we know from, from Romans chapter 1? We see that everybody knows God. Everybody knows what the truth is. And and ultimately, this is why, um, you know, as again, Philippians yeah, 2 what says... What are we also talking about? Like, yeah. I mean, the demons yeah. believe that there's one God, you know, but... Mm. Yeah, so everybody knows, and ultimately we see, like I said, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's not, it's not something that may happen. It's, it's, it's a definite. So again, everyone who dies in their sin has rejected the truth. They're, they're, not, they're not oblivious. They're not like, oh, wow, how did I end up here? I did, I, no one ever showed me. <laughs> I didn't know this. Like, when was no, I going to get that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So ultimately it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's a loaded question, uh, Nova, uh, but you'll have to elaborate on, yeah, on exactly I, I what, just don't know what you mean by that. Yeah. Kind of sounds like to, they're, they're kind of saying maybe, a, a Calvinist question, like, can Paul reject the Holy spirit? That's how I kind of heard it. Right. Like, uh, because I, I, I don't know why the Holy Spirit would be coming upon someone who's not willing. Like, I don't I don't get the question. So, yeah, maybe if you clarify, if not, anybody else yeah. feel free to ask a question. Um, but as we're finishing this up, though, uh, and while we're waiting for questions to come in, if you if you didn't get to listen to the entire study, I, do, uh, I really, even if you did, if you deal with any of the doubt, if you deal with questioning your salvation, you know, and, and really struggling with that confidence that Paul, that John speaks of, Really go and reflect on what John is saying and take this book slowly. 
do a chapter a day, read what he is really saying and ask yourself the tough questions. It's okay to ask yourself these tough questions because it seems like some people avoid them because we rather convince ourselves that we're so locked in in our salvation that we go to the other direction. Like, no, I'm saved because I, I said it. I said those things and I don't need to inspect nothing or check nothing. And it's like, man, I would hate to stand in front of God arrogant. Like, no, 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 I'm coming in, God. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, wait a minute. You, you, No, you're not. It's like, no, yes, I am. I, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the person yeah. who stands before him um, in, in, in humility. Oh, that was the that was basically what you were asking. I don't even know how I answered it, so now I'm wondering. <laughs> well, praise Jesus. That's 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 the main thing. You know, it's <laughs> um, ultimately again, you you we going through this definitely. You know, go look at the last podcast and and share this with someone who is battling with eternal security because. We, we, I know I'm going to die on the one saved, always saved wall. I'm pretty sure Mike will too. But you, we, we don't, we don't get to determine what God can and can't do. Again, that's, that's, that's where we'll disagree with, uh, you know, with Calvinists when it comes to predestination. Um, you know, we look at, we look at verses like John 3:16, for God so loved the world. That he sends his only son, his only son, and whoever believes will not perish. You know, Colossians says that that you know God, it's God's desire. God wants everyone to be saved, but ultimately there are those who hear the truth again and again and again, and because of hardness of heart. I mean, Mark's also done a few videos on a hardened heart, and and again, a very deep subject you know, when it comes to the hardening of a heart. And in today, where we are today, th this hardening of the heart happens by constantly rejecting the gospel, by hearing it, feeling the, the conviction, hearing the conviction, um, getting that tug of the Holy Spirit and continuing to say that, no, there is no God. And no, I'm, I'm good enough on my own merit, um, which is, you know, just self-deception, really. That's, that's what it comes down to. It's self-deception. So um, first, someone asked if I've seen The Sound of Freedom. No, I haven't yet, but everybody keeps telling me about it, so I will watch it soon, and I'll probably share my opinion on that. But the question by Screwhead is an interesting one. Do you believe someone that believes in a works-based gospel can be saved like they believe having faith and believe saves, but also your works? Now, I know some people would have no problem answering this with ease in a generalized way, but I can't because I... I respect God too much to blaspheme him in any way to speak out of ignorance. So here's what I'll say. A workspace gospel is false. Do I know if someone believing that there's works involved can, can take away their salvation? Well, not take away, but prevent them from being saved? I don't know. And here's yeah. why I say that. I know some people are going to say, yes, it's a false gospel because that this is a vague question. What do we mean by someone who believes in works? Are you saying straight up legalism? Well, no, legalism rejects the gospel. So no, legalism doesn't save. But are you saying like someone who believes in faith alone, but they have a weird way of explaining that faith produces works and you know someone called them works-based? This is why I won't answer this question straight up. And I know a hundred people that are gonna use this and clip it up and see, see, he's scared to say something, whatever, I don't care. I'd rather offend you than offend God. 
Because the thing is, we like to imagine we know what someone means when they say something. Someone that believes that you have to do certain things to confirm your faith might be articulating it wrong and they don't believe in a workspace gospel, but we hear it a certain way. So we're like, oh, look, workspace, workspace. Who am I to snatch salvation? If we just got done saying we're eternally secured and I cannot lose my salvation, that means no matter how much mistakes I make, I can't lose it. Am I saying that these people were never saved? They put their faith in God and then started to put their own trust in themselves and their pride came over or they are they saved and they're going to be disciplined for it first corinthians chapter three what you build upon the foundation of christ i believe that some people who believe in a workspace gospel are building upon the foundation of christ with what wood and clay and and sticks and whatever and and the fire will burn it up and they'll be tested but are there some people that probably believe so far it really <coughs> what exactly do they believe are they believing in the gospel that saves? If they believe in the gospel that saves, then anything they put upon that is just going to make their walk harder. It's going to make their walk worse. They're going to have discipline uh, issues with God. They're going to struggle. But I don't believe that someone who's been convinced that you have to make sure you do some things automatically sends them to hell. That That's crazy to try. And, and I, like I said, there's some people out there that would probably answer that with confidence and say it with heartbeat. But how dare I? have the nerve to be the judge. I'm not. I can just say that the gospel that saves is the gospel that saves. And uh, you have to put your trust and faith in Jesus. And by putting your trust in yourself in a workspace gospel, it's taking from Jesus what belongs to him. He deserves your trust. No trust in yourself. He's the savior. He doesn't share that with you. Well, for me, you know, uh, and, and just to bounce off what Mark said, I'll, I'll always point people to, to Galatians chapter three and Galatians chapter five. You know, um, you know, Galatians chapter three, Paul says, what you foolish Galatians, um, you know, who hath bewitched you? Have you, be, you know, you you have started a good thing in the spirit now perfected by works. Um, are you now going to be made right by by the deeds of the flesh? Um, and, and again, what does he say in chapter five? Anyone who, you know, anyone who is circumcised and talking about those who put themselves under the law. And, and we know that ultimately most of workspace, you know, people will preach. You have to be baptized. You have to do this. You have to do that. There's, there's a lots of have to do's, you know, not just believe, not just believe the gospel and be saved. It's, it's, you know, plus, 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 plus. And ultimately we see that they have fallen from grace and Christ is of no benefit to them whatsoever. So again, you know, agreeing with what Mike said, but also adding the fact that we can't, we can't judge anyone's salvation, number one. Um, and number two, the, the scripture is pretty clear. No, no flesh will stand justified before the sight of God. None, no flesh. So if it says no flesh, it means no flesh. So again, we take nothing away from the blood of Jesus Christ, nothing away from the atonement that we have received from Christ, the finished work of the cross, you know, and again, we were justified the moment Jesus was raised from the dead. We were justified. Justification is not a process. Justification is instantaneous. And it's sanctification that's a process. And a lot of people confuse the two. And we've said it so many times on the podcast, people confuse sanctification and salvation. People confuse, you know, eternal security with, with sanctification. We understand that some Christians will have a harder time and fall into the same patterns again and again, sometimes a few times before the lesson is learnt. And but we trust the scriptures. God said, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So 
did Jesus lie when he said he would bring it to completion? And, and again, you've got to let all the text speak. And all the text throughout the New Testament says to us that we are not justified by our works. We are not justified by the law. We are not justified by what we do or don't do. We are justified by Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. That's it. Amen. Amen, 100%. And I think that he hit a great part right there that kind of took the words that I was trying to put together. The person that's falling into pride might be going through sanctification and, it's, and they're struggling letting go of it. And their workspace mindset is something God's cleaning them of. So they are saved and they're dealing with that. And then there's the strip legalistics as, as, as Galatians uh, 4 and 5 and all that talks about where we see that people are straight up just dismissing what the cross is representative of. This is why I said it really depends on what do we mean? Because again, if I just say yes, or if JD just says yes, or just says no, then you can take that the wrong way yourself. We don't want to confuse you. We don't want to confuse uh, uh, the person that might need to hear the truth, but we want to make it clear that it is faith in Christ that saves. And what do you mean by workspace, right? If someone is straight up if in a trying to, if, uh, so here's an example. There's no salvation in the tour keeper movement. They reject the gospel. They believe in keeping the law. There's no salvation there. Jesus says it in John chapter five, that you search the scriptures as if they have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness to me. They, they don't have no salvation in Christ. Uh, there's no salvation in the Hebrew uh, roots movement. There's none, right? There's none. But if there's a Christian denomination out here that is struck, that has some people in it that believe in works and then everybody kind of has their own beliefs when it comes to it because it's about semantics and who's defining what, but they believe in faith. Like, well, what do these people individually believe? I can't just condemn people to hell. I need to know, is this person truly putting his trust in works or is he misguided and he's being sanctified? So I think that's the difference there. Great question. Yeah. Great question. I mean, and there, there's a good question from Big Bo Bam. What secular things are okay? I have dream catchers, a Native American thing that they say keeps nightmares away. Is it wrong for me to have them? Colossians 1.13, uh, you know, what does it say to us there? You go, you go to Colossians 1.13. Yeah, let's just go through Colossians 1. I think it's 10 through 13. Uh that ye might work worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful unto every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So there we see ultimately relying on dream catchers uh, to keep away nightmares isn't biblical at all we jesus christ has delivered us from darkness into light so again we've done go check out the podcast we did on deliverance ministries um a couple of you know two weeks ago um, maybe that will also give you some insights but we don't rely on anything dream catchers idols crafts paintings none of these things can help us keep away nightmares solely trusting on Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that that protects you, your family. That's that's what we rely on. We don't rely on outward things and things we can see and touch for, um, you know, keeping away nightmares. Pray and, and, and thank Jesus Christ.
Yeah, I listen. I, I go to sleep with um, scripture when I'm really struggling with some spiritual warfare and having some night terrors because I don't <laughs> I don't really dream. I either don't dream at all or I have night terrors where I'm in my room, out of body experiences and there's like darkness in the room. But um, one way that's always removed night terrors and I've always slept through the night perfectly is falling asleep with scripture playing over me while I sleep. And I've shared it with you guys all many, many, many times. I told you about, um, you know, Lion and Judah's YouTube page. I'm not sponsored by them. I have no affiliation with them, but I love what they do. They've got hundreds of videos that are five to eight hours long of just scripture being read over you while you sleep with like a very soft white noise or soft rhythm playing. And it's um, all biblical. It's not, you don't got to worry about them slipping some stuff in at hour five. Um, it, it, they've got different ones for different occasions in your life, dealing with anxiety, dealing with stress. And man, it's just a, uh, it's really powerful to go to sleep just with scripture being read over you, especially because yeah. a lot of times this do with an accent like JD also. So I, I like to pretend that JD's reading me the Bible to go to bed. So uh, I'm going to get JD to record that actually. J I'm going to get JD to record our own little sleepy time thing. And he'll record like basically an hour of reading and then I'll just repeat it every hour for like a five hour video. And it'll be just JD reading with his accent. And he's gonna switch up Bible translations and everything. He's gonna do no. He's gonna wait till like <laughs> hour three of your sleep. You're in a deep REM sleep, and he's gonna really speak to your spirit. No hoo hoo, you. No hoo hoo, you cut it out. He needs to gonna do it. It's gonna be all over. It's gonna go viral. <laughs> it's gonna go viral. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Ash. I mean, and again, that that's that's it. You know, and I'm not. There are people that do that and go, oh, "This is a demon. That is a demon. Everything has a demon." You know, people. The can of Coke's got a demon to some people. Like, you know, I saw a lady make a video about Monster Energy Drink and how it's triple six, and every time you drink a Monster, you're drinking the Antichrist spirit, and like that's just taking it to another level. You know, it's an energy drink. Is it good for your body? Ultimately, no. Like, if you drink too much of it, it's going to make you fat and probably give you a heart attack. But, you know, not everything is a demon, guys. It, <laughs> and again, if you didn't watch the podcast on deliverance and, and those ministries, then then, then please do um, go watch it and uh, <laughs> check it out because it's, uh, it was a good one. So here's a question of how do you baptize someone? Um, so... If you're talking about outside of the church, like you want to baptize someone, someone's like, hey, I really want to give my life to Jesus and I would love to get baptized and you want to baptize them. Uh, first thing I would do is ask them if they understand what that means, right? Because the most most important thing is where your mind and your heart are at because the water does nothing to save you if your mind and your and your, and your your heart are nowhere that needs to be, right? It's not the water that saves, it's your mind and your heart. So my main goal would be, why do you want to be baptized? What do you believe? Right. And, and once I found out that they believe the gospel. So in this hypothetical situation, if you're saying that this person believes the gospel, believes that they're justified by faith, they put their faith and trust in Jesus. Then the way I baptize them is I would just bring them to a body of water. I would ask them who they uh, what their confession is. Do you confess that Jesus is Lord, um, that he died on the cross, rose three days later? If they say yes, I would say that, um, you know, uh, in the name of Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. And then I would put them under the water. And tell them that their new life has began in Christ. So, I mean, but again, if you're talking about like at churches, churches have different, you know, methods that they do it. Um, my main goal would be, though, if anybody asks me, hey, Mike, I'd love to get baptized, is why? I want to know if their heart is in the right place. Because before anything, I want to make sure that they actually believe in what saves them. 
uh, believes in the in the in the gospel. Um, I saw someone ask a question that uh, it's a troll question, but just we'll give one troll their their day today. So, do you <laughs> think a large percentage of the LG, you know, the rest are reprobates? Uh, I have no authority to say who a reprobate is. There's your answer. Yeah, we have no authority. Absolutely not. And again, we're going to go through this uh, on Discord uh, on, on, on Saturday, the 15th. Um, we'll be going through uh, Hebrews with, with Kenny on Discord. So if you guys are not on the Discord server yet, uh, please, please get on the Discord. There's going to be a couple of sessions because there's a lot of meat in Hebrews. But again, in, in and, and the reason I'm bringing it up again is because in Hebrews we see it's, it's all in the blood of Christ. Everything, our salvation, is completely dependent on what Jesus Christ came and saw and conquered. That's, that's it. Jesus Christ is the only person, uh, you know, God in the flesh, who can stand up and say, I did it. I, I went through it all. I did it all. And, and I didn't sin. And again, we, we are really amped. So if you guys are not following um, me on TikTok, it's Tombs Empty Bro. Everybody that obviously you're following Mark. Mark's got, you know, more more followers than there's sheep in this country. Um, <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> uh, and also, guys, please uh, continue to support the ministry by praying for us. Um, thank you for sharing these these, you know, these podcasts with your friends, your family, people you come into contact with. Um, we really appreciate 54 people here. God bless you all. And uh, it's it's been a blessing again, as always, going through the scripture. I'm not sure what we're going to do Wednesday night yet, but Mark and I will, we will discuss it and we will, we will have something ready and we will be dropping bombs on Wednesday. But um, guys, continue to pray for us, for Mark, for one another, encourage one another. And uh, this is this is what we are called to do. As we've just seen, walk in love, always walk in love, abound in the love of God, because this is this is how people will look at us and say, okay, they Christian. You can see by how they love one another that they are of God, and that's ultimately the mark of the Christian is how we love. That's the the mark. The if there is one mark of a Christian, it's love, and there are many other marks, but the one mark is love, for sure. For sure. Amen. I think he said it all. Uh, with that, JD's got to go be an adult and do his um, parenting thing. And um, uh, it is that two-hour mark. So as much as I would love to keep answering questions and, and going through the comment section, it is time for us to cut it short. However, to, to figure out what we're going to do on Wednesday, I'm going to hop over to TikTok after this and maybe get an idea of where people want to go. Um, so yeah. we will decide over there on TikTok after this of what we're going to read on Wednesday. So if you want to be a part of that discussion, um, I will see you over there. I'm only going to spend about 20 minutes over there because I'm ready for bed and I need a shower. So with all that being said, guys, we appreciate you being here as always. We thank you guys. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the share button, hit subscribe, do all that stuff. And if you want to support the ministry, you can find the links in the description below. Make sure you're following JD here. Um, he will be back on TikTok soon, I'm sure. I, I know he's not on there as much, but he likes to go live, so he'll be there. God bless you guys as always, and go in peace. Much love.